it's great to be here with you tonight. I know I missed last week, and just show of hands, how many of you, uh, whether you had it this week or this year, at some point in your life, how many of you have ever had a week that you weren't anticipating? It didn't go as you anticipated. It didn't go as planned. Anybody? Can you relate to this? Okay. I, I just had one of those weeks. Uh, it started off, it's like week before Christmas. This is awesome. This is exciting. All of a sudden, my son, <coughs> he, starts co- he starts coughing like crazy. <coughs> like a deep guttural cough and we're thinking, uh oh, uh oh, this could be this could be rough. And oh it got rough. Two trips to the doctor, urgent care, the ER, pneumonia, double ear infection, parents getting his dosage wrong on his antibiotics. They said twice a day. No, they said once a day. Was it twice a day? Was it once a day? We think it's twice a day. It was really once a day. He's gonna get some New underwear in his stocking, I think, sadly. Uh, it was a rough, rough week. And I, I started off well. I started off well. Uh, but I got to tell you, as the week went on, the lack of sleep, uh, the, the frustration, the, uh, the traffic, the Christmas shopping. I need to shop in Santa Monica so I park in Studio City. It's so bad. I mean, that kind of shopping. It's, it's, it's freezing out. I'm from California. This is freezing. I'm looking for a backpack to crawl into. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know what I'm referencing. Uh, And I'm telling you, I had one of those weeks that I needed peace. And this is what we've been talking about as a church this last month. We've been talking about this peace that has come to us. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come to us. And in this season of Advent, and the word Advent literally means arrival, we are adventing, we are reminded that peace has arrived. And myself and Pastor Kim and Pastor Karen and Pastor Mike have been preaching about peace. And I got to tell you, there was a moment yesterday where all that peace was gone in my life. I mean, I was tired, I was exhausted, and this person in front of me, they wouldn't go through the, the yellow light to turn left. And I was screaming at them. My lips were not moving. You ever do that? You scream in your heart? You don't do that? Oh, I do that. I, 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 I do that all the time. It's the same thing as screaming with your lips moving. I was screaming literally in my heart. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And I, I literally reached this moment where the shalom that we've been talking about, this sense of peace, this wholeness, this rightness, this goodness, this living as God intended, hadn't arrived in my life, it had departed. You know, you think of LAX as arrivals, departures, it was gone. It had departed. And then I realized that the hazard lights start flashing. Oh, they're not just texting. Like, they actually really have a problem. And I'm still frustrated. And I'm like, What's their problem? I bet they ran out of gas. I bet they ran out of gas. How could they run out of gas? And I'm telling you, senior pastor of your church, I was screaming at them. Lips weren't moving in my heart. Just the same thing, just as bad. And I zip around them through the red light, barely miss the cars going the other way, and I'm so frustrated. And all of a sudden, I realize, I've got to preach tomorrow. (laughs) And I haven't written my Christmas Eve sermon yet. That's how behind I am, how frazzled I am. I haven't written my Christmas Day sermon yet. I still haven't, actually. It's been one of those weeks. You ever had one of those weeks that didn't go as you anticipated? Well, I finally realized in that moment, 
that all this peace in this season, we've been talking about it arriving into our life, I let it depart. And how quickly that can happen. And I just, I pulled over. It was right down here on Ventura, off of Libet, right in the parking lot at Gelson's. The closest spot I could get was right there at the curb all the way. It was like a half a mile away. And I pull over and I'm, and I'm like in this moment, like, wow, how quickly that happened. How filled with peace I had been, gosh, for a long time. And how good things were going for a long time. And then all of a sudden I was getting pressed. Remember that sermon? In November, I, I asked the question, when you're pressed, what comes out? You know, you press oranges, tasty things come out. You press a cell phone, toxic things come out. You see, in that moment, I was getting pressed, and it wasn't orange juice. It was the most awful worst thing that was, was coming out. And I literally, I pulled over, and I, and, I, and I just stopped, and I just prayed. I said, God, what have I done? I'm so sorry. I let you go. I've let you depart. I've, I, I, I've let all this goodness that I've enjoyed, this richness, I, I've just let it go. And I just felt in that moment this sense of God saying to me, but I haven't departed you. I haven't left you. And in that moment, in the midst of me totally turning my back on God, I'm like pausing and turning around. God's like, I've been here all along. I haven't left you. You think... You think, you think I got down off the cross? No, I stayed on the cross. You think I'm going to leave now? This, this thing? No, I'm, I'm here for you. Turn off the car. Go back. She's still out there in the middle of the intersection. I run out to her. And she rolls down the window. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know if she heard me screaming at her in my heart. <laughs> I'm like, did she hear that? She's like, I'm sorry. No, no. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm like, put it in neutral. She's like, oh, Okay. Get behind and I start pushing. Somebody else who's walking across the street comes, starts pushing. Somebody with a grocery starts pushing. And this group of us all of a sudden just pushes her to the side and off we go. And she says, thank you. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't invite her tonight. What am I thinking? I could have said, come up to Christmas Eve. I'll tell about you. I'll tell about this moment. Missed it. I don't know if she's here or not here, but if you meet a lady that said, I, I, you know, my, she ran out of gas. She had run out of gas, and she was just so filled with joy in that moment. And even in that moment, I, I even missed a chance just to ask her her name and how I could pray for her, and I was just off on to the next thing. And we've been talking in this season, in this Advent season. If you're new to church, we're in a season of Advent. Tonight is the last night of Advent. There are churches around the world celebrating Advent, and it literally means arrival. And on one hand, we've been anticipating the arrival Christmas morning of this great truth that God has come to us. We don't have to go up to heaven. God has come to us, that the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings has arrived to us. And I've been saying in this last month, that the greater the anticipation of something, the greater you will participate in it when it arrives. You know, you look forward to those friends, that family coming over to your house. You anticipate them arriving, and as soon as they show up, you can't stop talking to them. Have you been? How's your week? How's the new job? And you, you, you're participating. If you don't anticipate their arrival, oh, you don't participate. You're, you're out jogging for the first time in 10 years. Where'd they go? They're just not around, I guess. 
And in this season, we've been talking about anticipating so that we can actually participate in this life that God invites us into. And we need to slow down long enough. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of this dark world, we have to slow down long enough. And the fact that you are here in person joining us online means that you, you have a sense of desiring something. You are anticipating something. You are, you're actually, you're participating in this thing as you've been anticipating it. But I want to flip that on its head. You see, this whole month, we've been talking about things from our perspective, how we might anticipate the arrival of Jesus, how we might anticipate the Prince of Peace coming, born as a human. But have you ever thought about it the other way around? Have you ever thought about it from God's point of view? Have you ever thought about God anticipating your arrival? And when do you arrive as a Christian, as a spiritual person? When do you arrive as the person you were created to be? You see, the fact that Jesus came, the fact that Jesus arrived to us actually showed us what it means for us to arrive. You see, there's this great truth. And it took me the first two decades of my life getting it wrong to finally get it right through this church. Finally, I had a roommate in college that attended this church who made me realize that I thought that being a Christian, that arriving as a Christian was this elusive thing that I had to do all these things. I had to show up a certain amount of times. I had to memorize a certain amount of scripture. I had to avoid yelling at people in my heart a certain amount of hours of a day. I had to do all these things, right? And only then, and only then, maybe, maybe one day I will arrive. And I always had this image of the, the pearly gates and St. Peter. It was, maybe it was part of my Catholic school background. And I used to think that I could only arrive if I lived good enough and avoided the bad stuff that one day, way down the road, I would finally arrive. And so what would happen is when I would rarely go to church, Easter and Christmas Eve, I would sit there and actually feel guilty. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I haven't, I haven't been here since last Christmas Eve. And, you know, people would be singing songs, and I'd just be, man, I just feel, I feel bad about how I haven't measured up. You see, that's, that's religion. You've got to do all these things in order to earn God's love. But when do you actually arrive? You'll actually never arrive because you'll never measure up. If you actually read Scripture and actually read what Jesus says that he longs for us to do, if you actually read the commandments, we never measure up. And it took my roommate and calls through this church to make me realize that Jesus came not for religion but for a relationship. And there's this amazing truth. If you're taking notes, if you've got a great memory, John 10 verse 9. Jesus changes everything, and he says about himself, this one that we celebrate that has arrived. As an adult man walking, living the perfect life, he says, I am the gate. All who enter through me shall be saved. 
They will come in, they will go out, and they will find rest. Open up your Bibles. You have them in front of you, perhaps in the front row. It's that little cubby behind your leg. I want to show you, not just for you to hear, but this is Ephesians 1, chapter 11. I've asked the question, when do we arrive as Christians? When do we arrive as spiritual people? When do we arrive as people that God created and longed for us to be? This is Ephesians 1, verse 11. I love this. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, towards the end of your Bible, after Galatians, before Philippians, before Revelation, Ephesians 1, verse 11, it says this, in Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance. Present tense. It says, in Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance. And go down, verse 13, in him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. When do you arrive as a Christian? Let me say it differently. When did you arrive to L.A.? Some of you, you arrived when you were born here, like myself. Many of you perhaps arrived after college, coming here to make a name for yourself. Maybe some of you arrived this week. Maybe some of you arrived this afternoon. When did you arrive to L.A.? On one hand, you could say that the moment you arrived was the moment you touched down or got through the gate or maybe it was through the airspace above Los Angeles. Some of you, it's kind of fuzzy when you got into LA. You remember distinctly some of you when you got here. Others, yeah, it was kind of like a December of 1980. I don't know. But every single one of you, though you have arrived, you're still arriving in LA, aren't you? I mean, have you had food in little, little Ethiopia? Have you had go get them tiger coffee in Larchmont Village? Have you seen the view from Mount Washington late at night? Have you rode your bike up Figaro Boulevard at three in the morning? Have you walked barefoot at low tide at Leo Carrillo? Have you been to the Santa Monica Ferris wheel at sunset? Have you had those donuts in Koreatown? Have you had any donuts in LA? <laughs> have you had ramen yet here? I mean, have you literally gone down to Skid Row yet? Have you spent time actually rubbing shoulders with people that have spent the last decade out of a home experiencing homelessness? Have you gone camping in LA yet? Have you ridden public transportation? You see, though you've been here maybe your whole life or a decade or maybe just a day, in a sense, there's so much to explore. You've arrived, but you're arriving. When do you arrive as a Christian? Jesus says, I am the gate. All who enter through me will be saved. You see, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've arrived. Ephesians 1.11 
says that you have now, present tense, you've obtained an inheritance. Ephesians 1.13, now you've received a seal, it's the Holy Spirit, you've got it, you've arrived. So why was it yesterday that that peace had departed from me? Had God left me? Oh no. But there's still corners of my heart, in my life, in my will, in my soul, that are, in a sense are still arriving. That yes, I've arrived in a sense, I've given my life to Christ, I'm forever His. Scripture says that I'm separated from my sin as far as the east is from the west. That's the amazing thing. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have arrived. And yet at the same time, you will spend the rest of your life arriving at the truth and the beauty of that glorious fact that you are loved far beyond what you could ever do for God, but because of what He's done for you. Remember I said earlier, the greater the anticipation, the greater the participation? We've talked about it from our point of view and now from God's point of view. Do you think God has been anticipating your arrival? Do you think God's been anticipating you saying yes to Him? Do you think God's been anticipating you believing in Him? Open those Bibles back up. This is phenomenal. Ephesians 1, verse 4. It's amazing truth. If you don't hear anything tonight from me, hear this. Ephesians 1, verse 4 says, Just as He, this is God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. You have no idea what it's like to anticipate something to this degree. Do you have any idea that the creator of the cosmos, the one who just speaks and worlds come into existence, who speaks light and there is light, who speaks water and there is water, that God created all these things, that you are the pinnacle of God's creation, that God has been anticipating you realizing that he loves you for all of eternity. There's been an eternal anticipation for the moment you believe. No wonder scripture says that when just one person turns to God, there's rejoicing in heaven among the angels. What an amazing thought the moment you you arrive, the moment you say yes to Jesus, though you begin a lifelong journey of arriving to that truth, one day to experience the fullness of that in His presence in the new heavens and new earth, but to think that for all of eternity, God's been waiting for you. That great anticipation, oh, leads to great participation. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, God participates. God gets involved. God rolls up God's sleeves and says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you my comfort. I'm going to give you my family. I'm going to give you my body. You're never going to be forsaken. You're never going to be left. Tonight is the one-year anniversary that my man Wally arrived. Christmas Eve last year, Wally says yes to Jesus. God had waited for eternity for you to do that. That was Christmas Eve last year. 
And you've been arriving this whole year hungry, wanting to know more about God. It's been amazing to see. We're going to share more of Wally's story in the new year. But some of you, you're here tonight, and God's knocking on the door of your heart. You see the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the light of the world has arrived to tell you that he's been waiting for all of eternity for you to look at him and say, yes, I need you, I want you, I believe in you, I trust you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is both Lord and Savior, you're saved. You'll never be put to shame. And you thought you were just going to Christmas Eve service with a neighbor or a friend. And here you are here, and whether you're here or online, hearing the fact that God's been waiting for you for eternity on pins and needles. In Romans 8, it says that all of creation groans with expectation. And in the Greek, it literally means that all of creation is standing on tiptoes, waiting for us to be revealed. What a thought. The mountains, you saw them today with the snow. Scripture says they are on their tiptoes waiting for you to say yes to Jesus. You arrive, but you're always arriving. So some of you, you're here tonight and you're saying, okay, I don't even hear what this guy is saying, but I feel like I need to do something with God. And here's the amazing truth that all you have to do is with empty hands of faith, you don't hold up your good deeds. With empty hands of faith, you hold on to what he's done for you. And that's the fullness of the story that yes, Jesus came and was born and lived a perfect life. And he died the death that we don't have to. Scripture says that he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus defeated death to the right hand of the Father. He has arrived to tell you this. I'll say it again. He's been waiting for you for all of eternity to say yes to him. Maybe for you tonight, it's the first time. Maybe for some of you, like me yesterday, it was the thousandth time allowing him to arrive in us and our hearts to arrive to him as well. Let's pray. God, on this Christmas Eve, on the cusp of Christmas morning, this marked day on our calendar out of the year where we join people around the world celebrating the fact that you have arrived. God, would we be reminded of the first time we said yes to you May we look back on that moment with great joy, knowing that, God, you were waiting for all of eternity for that moment. May that give us courage. May that give us hope. May that cause us to be sent out so that, that you would arrive through us to people in our lives, that your love and your grace and your mercy and your truth and your light would shine not only to us, but through us, into our board meetings, into our neighborhoods, in the midst of our travels with our our family and our friends, God, would you shine your light in and through us? And God, for those, perhaps the first time tonight, saying yes to you, would they know that, as you tell us in Scripture, in Philippians 1.6, that God, you who began a good work in them will carry it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. May that melt our hearts. 
May that warm us in a way that causes us to live for you. As we desire to follow you, Jesus, every day and everywhere with everyone. It's in your son's name we pray and we say together, amen. amen. There's an amazing moment this morning uh, in our church where about 100 people who are part of this church family, volunteers, actually threw a party for a foster group home for kids. These are kids that don't have parents, young, all the way up through teenage years, who were on this campus today. One of them said, I've never received a wrapped present in my life. This wasn't an event that was run by our staff. It was initiated and run by volunteers of this church. And they pulled out all the stops. And they gave, in a sense, the fullness of who God was in their life to them. And I'm so reminded that when we have people that are in our midst where we've allowed God to come in and to arrive in our life, that actually God goes through us and allows God to arrive in other people's lives as well. You see, as a church, we long for the revival and renewal of every person, every neighborhood, and every city. And we're doing it on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays and throughout the week on the hill and off the hill. And as we give as a church, we not only give our finances, but we give our time, our passion, our energy. And so in a moment, as the ushers come forward, as we wrap up this calendar year of giving, and if you are not part of the church, if you've never been here, we don't do this to earn God's love or to buy God's love. We simply do this in response to who God is in our life, out of generosity that God has given us. Let me pray for our offering as we continue on. God, I pray that you would simply multiply what we give. May we give with glad hearts, not just our finances, but most importantly, our hearts, our passion back to you, our maker, our creator. God, to think that you've been longing for us for all of eternity. You've chosen us in Christ. May we simply respond with joy and in worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we sit together. Amen.